Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. This won't feed them all. It's not enough. Are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? See, these were the words Elisha heard from his servant when preparing to feed a group of priests that were coming from the northern kingdom. You see, after the split had divided God's kingdom into Israel the north and Judah the south, each king at this time took their people further and further away from God's truth. They became their own masters, led the people in their own ways. A northern kingdom would seem they've had the worst of it. Its kings are corrupt, they're evil, and even godless at times. At least, we have on record, at least out of the 12 southern kings in Judah, eight of them reinstated the Torah under their rule. They removed all the false idols and realigned the kingdom of God back under their rule. However, out of the 20 kings of the northern kingdom, none of them turned back to God. Not one. They married pagan wives and brought their gods into their kingdom. They built idols and they placed them inside the temple to worship that. They had forgotten the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the truth is that there hasn't been another time in Israel's history that God's own people show total and complete rebellion to their God. And with its king's deaf ears, not willing to listen to the voice of God, God had to use prophets to still show the kingdom that he is the God of truth. That one of these uh, prophets during this time was named Elisha. Well, God, according to scripture, had given Elisha a double blessing, a double portion of what he gave his predecessor, Elijah. You see, he honored God. And he displayed his truth and power everywhere he went. When this man showed, they knew that the presence of God was with them. And because of this, because of Elijah's true self and his ability, his true just mind and soul and spirit of honoring God, God using him, even the priest, oh, this is even the priests of the northern kingdom, they started to see that the pagan gods were nothing compared to the God of Israel. They were nothing. We haven't seen this sort of stuff from them. So, Elisha decides to summon the priests together. They had an officer's councils. They brought them all together. 
Listen, priest of the northern kingdom, come and sit with me under my teaching. And so they all traveled and gathered to be with Elisha, about a hundred in number, it says. And they were there for instruction of this old thing called the Torah. And they opened it, and they started to teach them the ways of the Lord, bringing back the old temple and the old structure. And they were just eating this up. They wanted to know more. Tell us more. And Elisha was teaching, and he was teaching. But while they were together, as men commonly do, they started to get hungry. This is, this is a part of uh, men's journey. It's oftentimes through our stomach. And so they needed to eat. Well, wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know that a random man from within the kingdom had heard that Elisha was in his town and he just decided to go and bring 20 loaves of bread to him as an offering. Elisha, this is for you. They were baked, the scripture says, from the man's first fruits, given to the priest, for they can eat just like the Torah said to do. So Elisha, he gets the bread, and he goes over and hands it to his servants, and he tells them, give it to the priest to eat. Go, give it to them to eat. And his servant, seeing the bread on the table, just looking at it on the table, says, this isn't enough. You're out of your mind. Do you know what will happen if I put this food on the table with a hundred hungry men? They'll be after me next. I can't feed them all with this. It's not enough. This won't feed a hundred priests, Elijah. And again, he looks to his servant with confidence and he tells them, give it to the priest to eat. For the Lord has told me what's going to happen. He said that they will eat and they will have leftovers. And so the servant takes the bread and he gives it to the crowd, expecting to run out before the last priest could, could get a piece. He thought surely they would run out in time. And so the priests gather at the table and they start eating. And they eat. And they eat. We're good at this. We eat and eat. And what the scripture says here is that after all of them have had their fill, there was still bread left on the table. There was leftovers. Oh, my friends, this is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who never runs out, the God of plenty, the God of provision. This is the bread of life. Father, we pray now that as we dive into your word and as we look into the miraculous signs of your son, Jesus Christ, Father, we just pray. I pray. I stand right here before it with your word in my hands. God, I pray that anything I say only be the truth from the gospel. If I say anything that is other than, that's incorrect, that is not the truth, then I want you to correct me on this pulpit, Lord. Don't let me go a step further. Father, I pray that you, Lord, are, are, are lifted high, that you, God, are the only thing people see. This is our prayer, Lord, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
It would appear in 2 Kings that God has, uh, has fed a lot of people. He's, he's, he's done this before. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time this week, see, what we're doing right now is we're working through a series called Signs. It's on the wall right there. You see, what we've been doing is we've been traveling through the book of John. And we've been going through the seven signs, as John would have it, or miracles is what we would call them. And we're going through the ones that Jesus performed displaying his authority as the Messiah. Now, this week, unlike last week, if you recall, we actually kind of between miracles or a little bit of time gap. You see, this week, we're not actually traveling that much far in the future. In fact, it's literally, when we look at the actual miracles, it's literally the very next miracle that Jesus performs, is what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you remember from last week, even though John in his book only lists a handful of miracles, he only lists seven. But when you take the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you lay them next to each other, and you just place it, and you start looking at all the things that Jesus has done, you will see that he performed much more than seven. Now, even though I will say that seven is a pretty biblical number, that would be really nice. But he did not do just seven. In fact, if we lay them all out and we count them, it would appear that Jesus performed about 37 miracles. That's recorded. Now, this does not include the resurrection. Now, our scripture today, the one that we're going to be looking at, is the fourth sign in the book of John. However, it's the 19th miracle since his ministry started. And it's one I have a feeling that all of us know well. We probably know this one. For those of us who grew up in the church, this is a story we learn in Sunday school. Why? I don't know. Probably because it has to deal with food. We like food. That stuff speaks to us. I'm from Texas. If I can smell barbecue, I get excited. I don't even have to eat it. I can just smell it and go, that's a good place. See, we get excited. Maybe maybe that's why we know this one so well. Maybe it's easy for us to remember this idea of feeding a lot of people. We reenacted in Sunday school. We drew pictures of it and made little cutouts that we took home. In fact, I remember when I was a young boy, I went home after I learned this story, and I grabbed my mom's store-bought bread, still on the actual little twisty tie thing, and then I decided, I I held it up, and I said, Lord, bless this bread. And I was pretending and reenacting that I was passing it out to the 5,000. When they say imitation is a form of flattery, right? But the reality is, none of us can do what Jesus did on that day. None of us. You see, where we pick up on our story here in John is that shortly after Jesus healed that man at Bethesda last week, when we looked at that, when we look at it in Scripture, he ended up going back home afterward. He went back north to Galilee. In fact, I was just sitting and talking to Ed Lee this week, and they've just gotten back from Israel. And we were talking about Galilee and and all the... uh, that's That's quite the hike to get back from Jerusalem to Galilee. We were talking about this. But here Jesus says he heals this man almost as if he went to Jerusalem for that. And then he heads back home to Galilee. And when he arrived, here's what he found. He found a great crowd of people. Even greater than this, I would say. How many are in here? One, two, three. 
There was about 5,000, the scripture says. And they were just waiting for him. Word had traveled about this great thing that Jesus can do. And so when he arrived back in Galilee, he saw this great crowd. He, he did what I would probably do in that situation. He decided to go on top of a mountain. He needed a time out. So he went up there on the top of the mountain, and he gathered his disciples. He brought them all together. Here, sit down, sit down. And he can see the crowd waiting there on the mountainside, is what the scripture says. And with the great crowd in mind, in the privacy with his own disciples, he decides to ask them a question. Well, he just got back. All right, it's time for, time for teaching. Sit down. And he asked them, oh, so... Where are we going to buy enough bread to feed these guys? Looking at the great crowd. Now, I'm going to tell you what Jesus was doing there. He wasn't really asking them to go to the market. Here, I'll give you the money and you can go buy the bread. You see, he was setting them up. He was getting them ready for what was about to happen. You know, Jesus does that sometimes. Sometimes he just needs to set us up. Otherwise, we're not going to believe it when we see it. And so he just said, how are we going to feed all these people? Oh, goodness gracious. And then, of course, I can see myself and the disciples so clearly in this. We've got Philip here who would do probably what I would do. He went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, eight months' pay wouldn't even cover the cost of feeding these people here. How are we going to pull that out? We don't have that kind of money in the savings account. And then, of course, Andrew. Oh, good old Andrew. He speaks up and he just says, well, I did uh, run into this little boy. Uh, he was in the, he's in the crowd. He, he had in his hand uh, two fish and a couple of loaves of bread. But even Andrew says, well, that's not going to do the trick. That's a big crowd down there, Jesus. But I'm going to tell you this. And, and, and I, there's something about this, I think something that we need to pay attention to as believers, is that this is not the first time that Andrew brought somebody to Jesus. He brought this little boy here. This is what he has. And you're Jesus. This is, what I, this is what I can offer right now. And in fact, just a few chapters before, it was Andrew, out of excitement, after he saw what Jesus can do, he ran to his brother. He said, brother, you have to come meet this man. You have to come. And so his brother Peter said, fine, I'll go. And right then and there, Peter meets Jesus, and he hasn't left his side since. There's something about bringing people to Jesus and letting Jesus do the work. There's something to that. Sometimes we just get so caught up that we have to have the answer. We have to have the solution. He's the solution. It's not us for the truth. He's the truth. Jesus, all I found was this boy with some fish and bread. Bring it to Jesus. Let him have it. And so we read right here. In the presence of this little boy and Jesus, the disciples, is when we see it happen. This is when we see it happen. Oh, we see once again, oh, we see Jesus, he takes the impossible. And he shows us that all things are possible through Christ. 
This is what he shows us right here and right now. He tells the crowd, this is what Jesus does. He comes to the great crowd and he says, listen up. I need everybody to come over here and sit down in the grass. Come sit down over here in this beautiful green grass. And they did. They went over there and sat down. And then he took some fishes and the loaves from the little boy. And then what we know from scripture is that he looked at his father and just gave thanks. God, thank you for your provision. Thank you. And as the food came down, all we know from scripture is that as his hands were coming down, he handed this food over to the, to the disciples and, and they just started passing it out. And they just couldn't stop. There was so much of it. So much food, so much to be passed out, just over. It, it, it was unthinkable what they saw. It didn't make sense. This is not logical. This doesn't make sense. And then suddenly there was enough food, not only for the boy, not just for the disciples, but for the entire crowd that was there. And it just didn't stop. It just didn't stop. The food just kept coming. There was so much fish. I hope you like fish. There was so much bread. The good bread, there's no calories in this one. So much bread, it just kept coming and coming. And when they finished eating, when the scripture says, when they all finished eating, the whole crowd, then Jesus told them, come here, go gather the leftovers. A leftover? The left, go gather the leftovers. He says, I don't want anything to be wasted. So the disciples did that. They went into the great crowd and they started to collect. Anyone have any food left over? Right, well, here, I'll take it. I'll take it. Bring it over here. We're, we're going to need another basket. Make that two, three, four more baskets. We're going to need some more food. And then what we see in Scripture is that they came back with 12 baskets of leftovers. At least 11 more than what they started with. And the disciples and all of the people in the crowd were amazed at what Jesus did on this day. They were just amazed. This is, this is clearly a prophet. This guy is, I, can you do, I can't do this. Obviously, this man is from God. He is a prophet. But here's where it gets interesting. This is so typical humanity. This is so you and me. That whenever someone comes and feeds us, we want to make them king. Gosh, we wanted to keep it coming. We don't want to be in need. We don't want to be without. If you're going to provide for us, we'll make you king. And so that's what the crowd started chanting. They started cheering. Oh, this is the king. And they wanted to, right then and there, on the spot, they wanted to make Jesus the king of Israel. And of course, right then, what we read in Scripture is that this, is not the, this, wasn't, this wasn't the plan. This is not, that's not why he fed you. He didn't feed you so he can have his own name glorified. Just, no, no, no. This is not what it is. And what we see here is that Jesus, he knew. He knew that their cheers and their chants wouldn't last long. For their tone will change just a little bit once he tells them what he's really here for. And it's not fishes and bread. They still don't understand who he is. They still don't know who he was. You see, they wanted a savior. They wanted to be saved from Rome. That's what they wanted. You're our king. Rome doesn't provide for us, but look at you, just in the snap. Look at us, we're now, we're filled. You're, you should be the king. But Jesus was not there to just save their physical condition. 
He was there to save them spiritually. See, what Jesus is showing right here is that it is possible, it is possible to be in bondage and oppression, but yet still be free. This is what Jesus is telling them. They don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. We can be in bondage. We can be oppressed here on earth, but yet our soul can be so free because we know the truth. And it was right then, the scripture says, king, king, make him king, that Jesus retreated. He left and went back up into the mountains to be by himself. Hmm. The crowd was blind that day. They were blind. Well, of course, they can see here on earth. They saw the fish and the food. They saw all of it. But yeah, they can be so blind. You see, what should have happened on that day when Jesus was doing this miracle, doing this sign, they should have not been surprised. There should have been no question on his ability that Jesus can do these things. You see, the scriptures have been preparing the way for thousands of years for that moment. They've been preparing the way. Every person that was there in that crowd just got a front row seat to one of the most recited and known psalms in Scripture. You see, it happened right before their eyes, and they all missed it. They completely missed it. Words that were penned by none other than the highly revered King David himself, written a thousand years before this day on the mountainside. It would have been a psalm that the majority of the crowd that day would have learned in synagogue school when they were growing up. They would have recited it. They would have memorized it. They would have believed it. They would have shared it with one another. You see, only one type of person, only one type of person can take a crowd of 5,000, herd them, and have them sit on the grass ready for their cups to be filled. Only a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and you fill my cup. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Could it be that the one who fed the 5,000 on this day, could it be that he is the great shepherd of Israel, the one that David wrote about, the same shepherd that David spoke of, the one who could restore our souls, the one who will provide comfort to us, the one who will overflow our cups, but let me tell you, if this is true, if this is the same shepherd, then that means he's also the same shepherd Isaiah speaks of. 
that this same shepherd will look at his sheep and he will see that they've gone astray. And in an act of unheard of love, instead of bringing punishment down onto the sheep, Isaiah says, for going astray, for leaving the shepherd, the shepherd will lay the punishment upon himself. And the worst part is that the sheep are so blind that they can't see that they, that the shepherd is protecting them. They can't see that it's his protection over them. And instead they begin to pierce him and crush him. They begin to believe that the punishment that the shepherd is experiencing is because it's his fault. Because it was something that he did. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And instead, Isaiah says, and instead of coming after the sheep like a lion, instead of saying, this is enough. Can't you see what I'm trying to do? I'm protecting you. I'm providing for you. Instead of coming after them like a lion, he approaches them as a lamb. And all they did when the shepherd came is they grabbed him by the hand and they led him straight to the slaughter. And as they got closer and closer to the slaughterhouse, the shepherd did not open his mouth. Isaiah says he was cut off from the land of the living and a grave was assigned to him with the wicked. Also, that the sheep could be free. Could the miracle of feeding the 5,000 simply be the shepherd feeding his sheep before they lead him to the slaughter? It's no surprise after this that Jesus withdrew to the mountain to be by himself, probably to be with his father. For the slaughter would come soon enough. Friends, Jesus is still multiplying the fishes and the loaves. He is still doing this, sometimes in a physical way, when you're serving on disaster. We're going to run out of food, but you don't. Other times, though, it's spiritual. I have nothing left to give. I'm empty. I'm, I'm not, there's, my cup is just dry. But it keeps pouring in and pouring in. I'm going to tell you this. He is still using his church, that you and I, to participate in his power. He's still using us. Now I want you to pay attention. Because this is where you and I have to pay attention. Is that the miracle that took place with the fish and loaves, that took place in that day, and all of it, the entire miracle took place in the hands of Jesus. In his hands. It was when he gave thanks. It was when he got a hold of it. Then a miracle can take place. But don't, don't overlook. Don't overlook that when the food came down, he gave it to the disciples to distribute. Here, 
feed them. Go. Go. The power and authority will always come from Jesus alone. No one else. And I want you all, don't believe anyone who says otherwise. Don't believe them. You will see men and women of the cloth who will stand behind their pulpits and they will try to, to display that same power but for their own namesake. Don't be fooled by it. The church is only the hands, is only the feet, only the distribution of God's miracles, of his power, of his authority. And I felt it's really important for me to say this, and I want you to hear this from me. I am completely powerless. I have no authority over heaven and earth. I cannot take, your captain cannot take fishes and loaves and multiply them. I can't do it. In fact, I oftentimes find myself in the image of the little boy who had very little resources, who had no answers, but I'm willing to offer them to Jesus to do something remarkable. Here's the trick. Stop taking the credit. Stop taking it. It's not ours to take. It all belongs to him. Forgive me, Lord, when I've gone astray. Forgive me when I get prideful and selfish. Forgive me when I have grabbed you by the hand and led you to the slaughter. And forgive me, Lord, when I pierce you from my transgressions. And even though, friends, even though it is true, we just read it in Isaiah 53, that it is true that it was the sheep that led the shepherd to the slaughter, the sheep that was leading the way, is it is true. We must not forget what the last two verses in Isaiah 53 say. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteousness, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I, the Lord, will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Huh. It would seem that it was the shepherd who was leading the way all along. Father, we just pray now.
that today we acknowledge that you are alone, the God of Israel. You are the one true God. Only you are worshiped here, Lord. Your son Jesus has gone to the cross and we accept that. We believe in that. Lord, when you do the miraculous, when you do the miracles, God, we don't want the credit. We want it to go to you. Lord, will, will you please use us in your kingdom? Lord, there are lost souls outside of this church. They're not in here. Lord, can open, let us go to them, Lord. Give us the courage to stand and put the first foot forward when we go to them. And God, I just pray now that many of us, including myself, may even think that we aren't qualified to do such an act. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I, I don't have any fishes or loaves. Father, we go in your strength. Please give us the words. Give us the courage. Give us the steps. Give us the things that we need to do that. And may we, Lord, in our, in our humility, point them only to you. Just to you. So, Father, this is our prayer today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.